today on Ag News Daily. Yeah, I, I feel like the harvest progress is in line with the five-year average, so it's not really a big deal. I think it's more localized with basis, uh, with the river shut down, some logistical issues. Happy Halloween, listeners. Welcome to a spooky edition of the Ag News Daily Podcast, sponsored today by Mystic Lubricants. For a full look at their full range of top quality products, visit mysticlubes.com. There's nothing scary about that, Tanner, but I think there's something scary about your outfit today. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not dressed scary at all. I went the easy route and uh, are wearing my farm clothes into the bank, so... Uh, we do have a scarecrow and Ace Ventura pet detective. I think we also have a private investigator. And I think the private investigator is the costume and not somebody really here to watch what's going on. Um, but no, we, uh, we're celebrating Halloween here at the bank. And you're going to take your daughters out trick-or-treating tonight. We had trick-or-treaters last night here. So I think we're good for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we will go fill our candy dish way fuller than it ever needs to be filled. And then I will have snacks to get me through the rest of harvest. Yeah, I was going to ask, are you like the stereotypical parent that steals their kids candy? Oh, I don't even have to steal it. I just take it <laughs> right, <clears throat> right from them. Do they appreciate that? I think they're they understand uh, as long as I don't take their favorites, which is okay. Skittles and Starburst. So. Uh, as long as dad stays around, stays away from those sides of things. Okay. Well, that's good. We hope all of our listeners, we hope all of our listeners that are going out and trick-or-treating with families tonight are able to do that. It sounds like it's going to be a fairly warm trick-or-treat day today though, Tanner. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be good weather. We're also looking here across uh, the Midwest for continued dry weather. So again, that poses wildfire risks, but Western and central Nebraska are going to be at the highest level of that because of low humidity, high winds. But even parts of Oklahoma are looking for an issue or looking at issues there where winds are gusting above 25 mile an hour. Go further south and thunderstorms are expected later this week, which is good and could bring some heavy rainfall up into some of these very, very dry areas. We talked about that on the drought monitor last week, Delaney. But maybe we'll see a little bit of relief as some of these storms uh, could bring rounds of heavy rainfall. Well, Tanner, speaking of storms, there is a storm brewing when it comes to geopolitical tensions. Over the weekend, we saw Russia suspend their participation in the Black Sea Grain Export Agreement that was reached back in August, citing Ukrainian drone attacks on their ports as the reason they've decided to get out of the deal. Although we hadn't anticipated this may be coming, they've threatened it for quite some time. Uh, but the UN and Turkey moved quickly here to try and get some ships out of the ports because there were quite a few Tanner waiting to get out. And so we've seen some shipments of grain being able to move through the area still. However, this will probably come to an end as Russia has threatened to say that any ships moving forward will not be safe going through that area. But so far, we've seen Ukrainian data shows that about 9.73 million metric tons of grain have been moved out of the ports there in the Black Sea region since the agreement started August 1st over the past three months here. And 
hard to say what's going to happen from here. But like I said, the UN, Turkey, Ukraine, and other countries have moved quickly here to try and pick up some sort of negotiation and trade talks, Tanner, to get this thing back on track. Yeah, a lot of world leaders are coming together to try and get some type of consideration done and put in place, maybe reconsider the back out so we don't see a huge rise in global prices. I know as we have our Market Monday conversation here in just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk a lot about that. But back here on the state side, it seems like the Iowa-Nebraska feud, I'm not even going to call it feud, competition is continuing to stay heated up because we now have a new land record sale on October 27th, 280 acres in southeastern Nebraska sold for $27,400 per acre. That was two tracks. Track one sold 27.4. Track two sold for 14.4. The total was around 5.5 million for the 280 acres. Uh, quite interesting. That just popped out over the Plymouth County sale. That was 26,250 earlier this month. And uh, I know we've got a bunch of listeners in both of those states, and it's always fun to give each other a hard time as to whose corn is better. But right now, Nebraska carries the highest land sale ever recorded. Well, Tanner, not only are, of course, land sales up, but we got some fresh data here today out of DTN that's showing cash rents are also up across the board here in 2022. Nationally, farmers paid an average of about $148 of cash rent per acre here in 2022, which is about 5% higher compared to 2021 cash rents. The only state out of those states surveyed to show a decline in cash rent here in 2022 was actually Florida. They saw just a slight decline, about $6 per acre less compared to 2021, but their survey included more than 250,000 farms with sales of $1,000 or more in agricultural sales. So maybe a little bit skewed there since uh, they used a kind of large framework to set that, but they're likely expecting here Tanner, that the trend will continue for 2023. Most notably, Iowa maintained its place at the top of the list with the most expensive cash rent to pay in the entire U.S. Average cash rent in Iowa climbed $23 or about 10% to $256 per acre. Illinois closely behind with a 7% increase to total out at $243 per acre. Other states in the top 10 here to follow were Indiana, Nebraska, Minnesota, Ohio, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Missouri, and Michigan. So really our Corn Belt states were the ones to feel the most extreme increase in cash rents for 2022. But all in all, many states across the nation felt this this year, Tanner. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting just to see how much higher they go in the future growing years. John Deere sent out a press release this morning. They have uh, released three new items, well, three updates to items in their fleet. Their strip till series ST is going to service nearly 65% of the farmers in the U.S. that are using conventional or minimum till practices. They are looking at expanding the true set adaptive technology for their strip till equipment. So now their strip till models have the same technology that you can accompany for in 12 or 16 row passes at 30 inch spacings. They also have the 12, 16 or 18 row 
setups on 20 inch or 22 inch spacings can carry up to 10 tons of dry fertilizer. Of course, their true set active, active depth controlled for tillage tools has been even more precise. 2023 and 2024 will have that as a base for equipment being ordered. And then the last set of announcements made today from John Deere Delaney is the 7R series tractors. So last year they came out stating that that 7 series would have high horsepower, small compact frame. They are now beefing up the steering capacity and its reactiveness. So the new 7R tractors will have 50% larger hydraulic components. This will give tractors the ability to have larger front tires and heavier front implements, give them the ability to turn tight quarters at low speeds on these compact tractors. They also have reactive steering, saying that they're, you see these tractors being used for manure hauling and forage harvesting, so they will now drive more like trucks. Continuing to use their active command steering too, programs and they're working on central tire inflation so that way the 7r tractors delaney can have the tire pressure adjusted from the cab but those are the new releases just fresh off the press from john deere this morning well tanner before we get to the next piece of news here let's take a quick break to hear from today's sponsors sis sitgo mystic Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Tanner, big piece of news coming out today as we could see, well, really end of last week, as we could see Mexico move forward with a complete ban on GMO corn. They have been working here to try and secure legislation that would impact, of course, U.S. corn farmers, as we are one of the biggest producers of GMO corn. But they are also considering direct agreements with farmers in the U.S., Argentina, and Brazil to permanently secure non-GMO modified yellow corn imports. They said that they will be planning to add a ban until 2024 on genetically modified corn that could not be amended. This would be a huge blow to U.S. agriculture and Not only that, I've heard some Mexican farmers as well who are very upset by this as they are trying to grow that locally as well, but could be kind of a game changer here for the Mexican economy and U.S. economy as they're one of our number one, number two trading partners, Tanner. Yeah, I had seen that headline. I think we touched a little bit on it last week, but it'll be interesting to see again how that evolves. Another thing we're keeping our eye very, very close on is the diesel fuel shortage And we are already coming up with some states that are seeing the shortages at the pump. So Mansfield Energy issued an alert in the southeastern states, including Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, and South Carolina. They've also noted extremely high prices in the Northeast. They're blaming this on poor pipeline shipping economics. The historically low diesel inventories are combining with the shortages of the ability to get it to the Southeast have stated that this is going to cause an issue. Diesel fuel prices are already 30 to 80 cents higher in the last 10 days due to the tight supply headlines. 
we are continuing to watch this, but fuel carriers, Delaney, have had to go to multiple terminals, terminal sites to fill and find their supply. This is causing delays and deliveries, uh, especially due to local trucking capacity. And gasoline prices are dropping at the pump, but this is the diesel shortage that we're talking about. Of course, that was on October 21st when the first announcement was made that we had just under 26 days of diesel left and we're already starting to see issues. I know when I was at the farm this weekend, our standard weekly fill during harvest season did not show up this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for that refill to hit us here in Iowa. So this could be becoming more of a reality faster than we had expected. You know, the other piece of this, I don't think this is going to get much traction, but apparently there was a congressman that introduced legislation to bring down gasoline prices for Americans by temporarily prohibiting the export of gasoline during these high periods of high gas and diesel prices. I don't, like I said, I don't think that this is going to get any traction in Congress, but the bill would prohibit the export of refined gasoline during periods when gas prices are high. And he's saying that higher than $3.12 per gallon for a period of seven days or more is when they would constitute the ability to put this potential export ban in place. Very odd. I I don't think a lot of mainstream media have picked up on this yet and probably won't get anywhere, but is something that maybe in the future we see something like that come to fruition. Yeah, that is. That'll be something for us to watch. But what do you say? Is that all the news we have today or is it time to get into the markets? I think it's time to get into the markets, Tanner. But before we do that, let's take one more quick message from today's sponsor. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K lubes.com. Well, Tanner, as we look at where markets closed for today, certainly saw some positive trade today. Touched limit up at one point in the week contracts, but didn't close on those highs. New crop December corn added 10 and three quarters cents today to close at 691 and a half. New crop soybeans added 19 and a quarter cent to close at 1407. December Chicago wheat added 53 cents today in the December contract to close at 882. And hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today, Tanner, we saw mostly weakness. December live cattle shed 52 and a half cents to close at a buck 52.47. November feeders down 25 cents to close at 177.62 and a half. And December lean hogs settled $1.17 and a half cents lower at 84.92 and a half. Without further ado, Tanner, let's kick it over to our Market Monday conversation with Boyd Brooks. Well, now it's time to dive into why the markets closed the way they are. And our pleasure today on this Market Monday is to have Boyd Brooks here with Consus on the interview session today. Welcome, Boyd. Hey, thanks for having me. We, and it is our pleasure to have that, but let's start off with Russia backing out. Let's, uh, is that truly what's driving a majority of the market movements this Monday? 
Yeah, I think uh, that came out on Saturday that they were going to kind of back out of the deal uh, on the export corridor, which spooked a lot of folks. Um, obviously, last night we opened sharply higher. Traded limit up in wheat at one point. Uh, corn was up uh, about 20, uh, 18 to 20 at one point. Beans were higher as well. Um, so the fear that that uh, grain will not move from Russia and Ukraine uh, was kind of the driver today. Uh, I think we saw during the session that cooler heads prevailed a little bit, um, and we kind of pulled back. But then the the close was uh, was pretty strong as well. So it was kind of a back and forth type of day, but uh, technically didn't do a whole lot of damage on e- anything just yet. So, Boyd, do you think that today's initial reaction is a one and done kind of deal? Or do you think that there will be longer term impacts that will continue to trade from this deal potentially going to the wayside? I still feel that Russia has commodities that they need to sell to finance uh, the invasion of Ukraine. Um, I feel that the world needs that grain. Uh, and I feel like that that Russia is using uh, wheat as a kind of a weapon, honestly. Um, I do feel that this is kind of um, a chip in their in their hand where they can say, yeah, we're, we're going to shut it off. But ultimately, I still think that that wheat and uh, corn will move out of that Black Sea corridor. I mean, I, I know there was an attack later uh, today on some tugboats and a couple of gentlemen died uh, in that. So it, it seems to be escalating. Um, but if we can go back and look at the chart from March when that invasion happened and, you know, we've we've had these headlines over the last three, four months and the reactions continue to be a little bit smaller each time. So I think the market's starting to figure out that, yeah, they can say this, but they're probably going to do that. Um, I think that we uh, continue to see very volatile markets on these headlines. Uh, because that's about the only news item that that is uh, kind of moving stuff around at the moment. So when we talk wheat and corn correlation, usually they're pretty tightly tied as to why one would move versus the other. But it looked like today, obviously, wheat was the much higher focus. What type of an impact is that going to have on the corn market the rest of the week? Yeah, I think it can try to drag the corn up with it, uh, but we saw today corn kind of failed right there at the $7 mark again. Um, That's it, been stiff resistance for the last three months. I mean, we've been basically a 660 to $7 market and been tough to break out of that. I think as we get to the upper end of this range on corn, you start to see some, uh, some hedge pressure, some farmer selling. Um, some speculators that are probably just saying, you know, that's that's been the top for a while and we'll push it back down and see what happens. So, I mean, obviously, if if this Russia deal goes uh, opposite of what I think and they really do cut stuff off, then maybe we could finally get the wheat market to drag the corn a lot higher. But outside of the Russia-Ukraine news at the moment, we really don't have a lot of stuff uh, in the headlines for corn. We're kind of waiting on South American weather. Um, you know, harvest is wrapping up here in the U.S. So uh, overall, the corn market's kind of following the wheat, um, but not following it quite as strongly as it did back in the spring. So, Boyd, let's talk a little bit more in depth here about the wheat market, since that really is pulling corn alongside with it. Is it also pulling soybeans? Definitely. I mean, uh, you know, there's very 
few exports out of uh, the Black Sea on soybeans. Um, so once you get these markets kind of all moving in the same direction, uh, they're kind of tied at the hip. So wheat was obviously the leader. Corn followed along, and then beans just said, well, we might as well join the party. Um, but at one point today, beans did trade lower. Uh, I think we were down three on the lows there, so we kind of went back and filled that overnight gap. But yeah, it's definitely dragging the beans up as well. And I mean, to me, the beans have the most friendly, um, you know, export type demand going on at the moment. We're still shipping, uh, I think we shipped 90, 92, 94 million bushels of beans out of the U.S. this week. So those sales are getting executed on, and that's that's a great thing. Uh, we've got another two to three months before uh, we see some Brazil competition. So it's good that the beans are kind of join, joining in on the party. Uh, how long that can last will kind of be up to that Brazilian weather market. Yeah, that's what I was really want to make sure we get covered in our conversation today is this is the last headline that we're really working on. But what the South American crop and the news coming out looks like is going to be important. Plus, how is harvest progress here in the U.S. affecting the markets? Yeah, I, I feel like the harvest progress is in line with the five-year average, so it's not really a big deal. I think it's more localized with basis, uh, with the river shut down, some logistical issues. Uh, that That's more of a talking point on that rather than the pace. I know we've, we've talked to some uh, different groups over the last three or four weeks, and it seemed like the grower were kind of ready for a break. Uh, they'd had 30 days, 45 days of, of straight harvest, and typically we'll get interrupted by rain, um, which we saw a little bit of that last week, so that was that was a good thing. Uh, but as far as harvest progress, I mean, we should be, what, close to 90% tonight on, on beans and probably in the 80s on corn, so we're kind of wrapping that up, winding that down. Would you mention a trading range here or really kind of a top level area that corn may have a hard time trading through? What's your area of support in your trading range here for new crop soybeans? Uh, so if we look at the bean chart, we've kind of got some good support down here around that 1370 level. Um, we traded up overnight and hit the 50 day moving average at like 1412, 1411, uh, came back off of that. So I still think the, the beans are kind of range bound, much like the corn. Uh, is going to be for a while, but that 1370 to 14, you know, 15, 1420 range probably is going to hold us uh, for a little bit here as we move forward. Well, that it's just going to be interesting for us to watch how things play out this week. Is there anything else that we should be paying attention to? I think that the other big thing to watch is is the Chinese, uh, what's going on there with the COVID shutdowns. I think mm -hmm. they had a, a huge spike in cases, uh, the highest in two months, uh, definitely slowing their economy somewhat. And there's been a lot of talk about how high the meal uh, price is in China. And from what I read, that's more of a slowdown uh, on the crush side uh, than really a shortage of the meal. So they have the raw beans. They just aren't able to get those converted over because the crushers uh, kind of going slow. So the other thing to watch there is definitely China and what's going on with their economy. Obviously here in the U S interest rates, uh, we continue to watch the fed and what they're going to uh, maybe do here in a couple of weeks on, on that. Um, but yeah, we're, we're kind of stuck and at the whims of headlines uh, as we go forward uh, until we get the next big, fundamental driver, which I think is going to be that South American crop. And that's another two months away until we know a little bit more about what that looks like. 
Well, certainly going to be a lot to continue to watch here, Boyd. If our listeners want to tune in and follow along, listen to some of what you're sharing about the market updates here, how can they find you? Yeah, go to our website, consusroi.com. Click on the uh, link there and send us a message and we'll get in touch with you. Fantastic, Boyd. Well, thank you once again for joining us today on the podcast. Certainly appreciate your time. Thank you. It's always good to get these Market Monday conversations out of the way at the beginning of the week. Give us some perspective and things to watch as we get through the week. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot of things, as Boyd was mentioning there, Tanner, just to stay in touch with as things are constantly changing here with markets lately. Yes, there will be a lot changing, I think, going forward. Probably not anybody's surprise, another volatile year for marketing ahead of us. Another volatile year indeed. But Tanner, our listeners can stay in tune with everything that's going on in the markets, news, and elsewhere in the ag space with us on Ag News Daily every weekday. So be sure to hit subscribe so you get pinged every time a new episode is released each weekday. Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.